Good morning, good morning, Rabotai. Good morning, good morning. Welcome to breakfast and our class today. It is Erev Yom HaKippurim, so of course we want to try and kind of get a little bit into the zone about uh, Tefillah, about the Teshuvah, about everything that we need to feel as we're going. And I want to start off by asking you a simple question, an obvious question. I want you to imagine Bar Minan, there's someone who has incurable cancer. Imagine. So I would wonder, let me ask you, tell me what you guys think. Imagine someone has cancer that's incurable. Do you think he would rather know that he has it or not know? Anyway, they can't cure it. Would you rather know about it or no? You're saying no. Why not? You're living your life upset. You're doubting every day. You're upset. You're this and that. You live further. You carpe diem. You grab the day. Yeah, other people say... I, I don't know. I think different people have different approaches. I think I would rather not know. Yeah, could we? I, some people. Some people say yes. Some people say no. But is there a single person here who, if you, God forbid, or if someone else were to have a curable form of cancer, is there a single person here that would not want to know that they had it? Not a single person. Obviously, then you go and get cured. Rabotai, mitzvot, maasim tovim, or life itself. But Averot, the sins, these things that are bad, being evil, that's considered in the eyes of the Torah. Ra, evil, is like Mavet, is like death itself. Who would not want to know about some form of disease they have that's curable? Rabotai, our sins are curable. Our avonot are curable. And this gift that HaKadosh Baruch Hu gives us called Yom Kippur comes along and allows us to wipe the slate clean to begin again anew. Rabbi I want to share with you something that I thought, I felt was a beautiful, a magnificent idea, a, a powerful concept. You know, uh, Jewish people were unfortunately not gifted to be able to use our hands very, very well. You know, we're very successful in a lot of other areas, but you don't have many Jews that are carpenters, other than Yeshu, and he left the religion. The point is, Rabbi we're not that good at working with our right? Is that, is that fair? I think all of us are able, though, at the same time to work, to build IKEA products. Yeah? You have to be a dip to not be able to put together something from IKEA. That's what I feel. They even, it's not even, they don't even use words. They even show you pictures, like we've reverted to such a level of stupidity that we can't even read words anymore. It has a picture of a guy. He's even drawn in a comical way to make you feel like, look, oh, look at this guy. He's putting together. You look at this guy, you're like, if this guy, he don't even have a neck, he could put together this piece of furniture. Surely I have a good chance. He barely has arms. His hands are coming out of his torso. If he could do it, I could do it. You feel great about that. You look at the IKEA booklet. You put together a bookshelf. And I... I fell victim to hubris. I fell victim to arrogance. I put together enough IKEA bookshelves and I thought, you know what? I'm the exception to the rule. I'm a Jewish handyman. I'm good to go. I know how to build. I bought myself, Rabotai, a desk. I have to say, this desk, it got the better of me. I put it together. I told my wife, it's sitting here in the front hall. I'm going to put it together, no problem. I'm a rabbi, pretty smart guy. This desk is not going to defeat me. I took the desk. Remember, Alan, I was telling you? 
I took the desk, I put it upstairs where it's supposed to be, I laid it out, followed the instructions, started building it as two parts, two kind of compartments, then it has legs you screw on the bottom, a back and a top that fits on top. I can do this! I put it together. As I put it together, it tells you you have to stand it up together. And I'm sitting there by myself, it's already late at night. I'm like this, I put up the thing, I stand up together. All I need to do now is take the top of the desk, fit it in, put the, match the wooden pegs into the holes that are in the desk itself, no problem. It goes straight in like a dream, khalas. It's gonna be amazing. Rabotai. So far, so good is what people who are falling out of a building after committing suicide say. They're falling, falling. The guy on the 10th floor says, how's it going? The guy says, so far, so good. <laughs> Nobody who's going to be good in the end ever says the word, so far, so good. Right? They just say it's good. So far, so good means you're anticipating things going south. And Rabotai, that's indeed what happened. Things went south and they went south quickly. I put the thing down, I was feeling like a million dollars. I see, one second, the, the little sticks don't match up with the holes. There's a couple of holes there, but they're not drilled in properly. I'm sitting there cursing out the manufacturer, the maker of this good. Oh my gosh. Immediately I go online, I'm like, default, sorry, uh, defective desk from Souter. I Google it, like, you know, expecting, sure, that someone else is going to be sharing my gripes. The internet has an amazing capacity to allow you to feel justified in whatever you're complaining about. Complain about terrible Starbucks coffee, Google it. 900 people who feel like you. Right? Exactly, right? Yeah? Defective Nintendo console. 900 people agree with you. It's the most unbelievable echo chamber you could ever have. Right? Terrible wife. So 9 million people believe with you. Terrible husband. Half of the womankind uh, you know, have commented somewhere on some Reddit sub... Uh, okay. Rabotai. So I'm sitting there. I, I'm Googling it, I, then all of a sudden I realize, oh my gosh. Maybe the piece on the side, which has all the holes drilled into it, while I'm sitting there trying to drill new holes with my screwdriver, okay, drilling new holes in the wall, I think, oh my gosh, maybe that piece just flips over and the holes are on the bottom, sitting there all relaxed, waiting to be plugged by the top of the desk. And this dip Jewish guy, who don't know what he's doing, Right? It's trying to stick it in at the top. Anyway, so I stopped drilling holes in the top of the thing. And I realized I have to take the whole desk apart only in order to take those side pieces and rotate them because everything is attached to everything else. So I unscrew the bottom, unscrew the back, take out the tops, uh, put the desk back on the floor, flip them to the top, put it back up. Now the holes are on the top. Pick up the desk. Hallelujah. Put the desk down onto the holes and I see that the holes are there but they don't match up with the stick still. Now I'm thinking again, okay, defective Zara desk. Then I realize she bifflage. Maybe that corner one is actually supposed to be on that side, and that one is actually supposed to be on that side. And then I realized by looking at the holes on the bottom of the thing and realizing that there's a little sticker about the size of a grain of sand that says G panel on one side, another one, and I look, oh, the G panel is supposed to go with the C and the D, not the E panel go with the X and the Q. Okay, fine. Shit, again, took the whole desk apart. Put the whole desk back together with this one, which is now upside down, right side up, right to left, left to right. Then I take the thing, goes in like silk, easy. Rabutai, that desk and that creator is all of us. The desk is our life, and we are the person who's trying to build and put together our life. 
And all the time we look at all the problems in our life, we say things are not matching up. They're not going where they're supposed to. The things that I need, the things that I want, it's not... So you say, my life is defective. So what do you start doing? You start screwing holes in random places in your life. You start getting angry and upset. You start changing yourself for something, or for someone, or for a job, or for an opportunity. Because clearly, the maker screwed up the desk. In this case, the maker is not Sauder. It's the Rabbonoshel Olam. Hashem messed up when He made me. With this personality, with this level, with this background, with these parents. Hashem made a mistake. I need to drill new holes. I need to... But yet, actually, that's not, that's not the Nikuda. In fact, it's the exact opposite. There's a beautiful line in the, in the Torah that we talked about a couple of weeks ago. The Pasuk says that the Ki HaMitzvah Hazot Asher Enuchi Mitzvah Hayom Lo Nifleti Mimcha It is not far from you. There's a Machloket. Which Mitzvah is it talking about? Which Mitzvah is not far from you? Etrog, which mitzvah? Sedakah, machloket. One opinion says it's talking about Torah, the learning of Torah. Another opinion says that that mitzvah, ki mitzvah azot, is the mitzvah of teshuvah. Is the mitzvah of teshuvah. Rabbi what does it mean that the mitzvah of teshuvah is not far from you? The way I'm understanding it, according to what we're saying today, is that the mitzvah of teshuvah is not to change to become somebody else, to become someone different to who you are. To think to yourself, Uli, I can't keep kosher or keep Shabbat or keep this or keep the laws of Lashon Hara or keep learning Torah. I can't do these things because then I'll be religious and then I'll change. And in every society, they have different words for religious. In some communities, very religious is black hat. In other communities, I've noticed if you're not Jewish, you know how they call very religious people? Hasidic. They're like, are you religious, Ra? Are you like Hasidic or not so religious? That's not how it works. I try to explain to them. Like my father is the furthest thing in the world from Hasidic, but he's very religious, okay? Yeah, so different people, they have different terminologies for very religious. Hasidic, ultra-Orthodox, you know, etc., etc. If you're in Israel, man, yeta dos. Dos means like a, you know, a dati. You became fro. And then there's above dos, there's like charedi. Charedi, Shema Israel. People think like it's a curse word in, the, in Israel today. Charedi, all it means is a person who has fear of God. Literally, the word chared means someone who trembles, that they're afraid, they don't want to get something wrong. That's where the word comes from. They're afraid to make a mistake, they're afraid to get it wrong, they're afraid to break Shabbat, they're afraid. These things, they have fear of heaven. That's where the word chared comes from. Chared ledvar Hashem. Rabutai, we all have a lot of nicknames, and we all think that we are in a place. And teshuvah means to travel to another place. But Rabotai, there's nothing further from the truth. All of the pieces of the desk, I didn't need to go to Home Depot to buy a drill. I didn't need to go to Home Depot to buy, to buy you know, replacement parts. I didn't need to build another desk. All I needed to do was to recalibrate, to turn something that was on the bottom to be on the top. Rabotai, much of the process of teshuvah it's not about change, it's about change of priorities. So a person thinks, I can't go kosher, it's too expensive. It's too much of a hassle. I have to give up on the kosher restaurants that I like. My friends won't hang out with me if I eat in kosher restaurants. Rabotai, that doesn't mean that you can't eat kosher. It means that you chose to prioritize hanging out with your friends. 
you chose to prioritize to spend your money on something else, or you chose to prioritize going out to fancy restaurants over the mitzvah of eating kosher. Let's call a spade a spade. I don't care if you're going to do the sin. I don't care if you're going to get it wrong. But let's at least be honest with ourselves. And you could say, I'm not there yet. I'm climbing. Let's be honest. Honesty means that sometimes I make a mistake with this. And you know what? I don't need to justify or to lie to myself. The misraf teshuvah is not to go anywhere. It's not to change to anything else. It's to just recognize within yourself that some of my boards are upside down. And some of the things that are on the right side, the right side always signifies strength, should have been on the left side, which signifies the elements of weakness in my life. There are things in my life that take more precedent over others. Someone said to me, Rabbi, I don't think you know what you're asking me. You don't know how important. Kosher is so important to me. But when we go out, my, my girlfriends, they won't go out to eat kosher with me. They won't come with me. I'm eating by myself. I said, how often do you girls go out? She says, once a month. I said, so once a month, none of your friends are willing to make a sacrifice so that you would be comfortable? You don't need to change restaurants. You need to change friends. <laughs> if they're not willing, even once a month. You know what? Miss every other month. So once every two months, they'll eat in a kosher restaurant for you. Take, go to the most expensive place. Find the one place that, you know, it's amazing. That, that's, it's so hard to see sometimes that people are not recognizing that they are already there. They are already at the place that they need to be at. And all it takes is a different set of eyes where you're looking and recognizing that if I was built this way, if HaKadosh Baruch Hu made me with these gifts, with these talents, with these challenges, God made me this way on purpose. He doesn't make mistakes. I just put the thing together wrong. You know, there's a line, the Gemara says, it's a very powerful line. The line says, Olam hafuch ra'iti. Olam hafuch ra'iti means, I saw an upside down world. It's an expression that was said about one of the greats that went to Shamayim, and upstairs in the, in the heavenly world, he saw an upside down world. I always thought about that because I speak Hebrew. I always thought the guy was wearing his underwear on his head. What, is, what does that mean? Tachtonim in Hebrew means underwear, right? That, that's what it means. The guy got dressed wrong. Was it referring to maybe Batman and Superman who wear their tachtonim lemala? They wear their underwear on top of their pants for some inexplicable reason. Is that what it's talking about? Tachtonim lemala means the ones over here that everyone thought were at the bottom of the food chain, the least important guy in shul, in Shamaim, that's the holiest person. Because they're not running to make sure that they're the ones that get to say every anenu. That they're the ones in the synagogue that are first and foremost that everyone needs to be looking at. In the room, in a conversation, they're not trying to dominate, make sure everyone's looking at me, thinking of me, uh, idolizing me. Tachtonim over here, the humble people here in Shamaim are at the top. The poor people here who is trying their best, who are struggling, who can't afford to write, let's say, even a nice check. We talked yesterday about this. There's people sometimes that they, they, can't, they can't give 5,000. So you know what? They're going to make meals. Yesterday, Remy Zaytouni, uh, God bless him, told me something amazing. Alan stood there yesterday and said, forget money for a second. We need people to make meals. There's people who don't have food to eat. The, the SBH pantry is empty. We need food to eat. Don't give money to buy meals. What do you mean? You can give money to buy meals from Sauda that are cooked. 
But the difference in price when they give you those elements is a difference they could make five times as much if you just take the ingredients they gave you and stuck it in your kosher oven. Rabutai, that should be for us also as an understanding, as a level. You know, for a lot of people, they think that in order to get zechut, what do I do? I'm going to pay some guy in Israel to study Torah. You could pay for it. But it's five times more valuable if you open the book instead. If you made it in your own kitchen. If the changes that you made, instead of supporting just the yeshiva and giving money to a kolel and doing things that are somewhere else, you made the changes at home. Change like charity starts at home. So Rabotai, let's ask, what are the things that are not far from me? I always give this example. You have a guy standing on stage, an actor. They put a spotlight on him in a play. They put a spotlight on the guy. How big is the spotlight? It's maybe an arm's length to the right and an arm's length to the left. That's how wide the spotlight is, right? The whole stage is not lit up. Think of that spotlight as your challenge in life. To the left stands all your averot, to the right. You're not being judged and you're not struggling with murdering someone in their sleep, stealing money from a poor person or from an old lady. That's not within your realm of challenge. Your realm of challenge is very close to your chest. It's the bad things you'll do that are within the realm of your possibilities and the good things that you could do that are in the realm of your possibilities. We don't need to talk about you becoming, quitting your job and becoming a full-time kolel lifestyle living rabbi. That's not right now in the realm of your possibilities. So God's not judging you for that. God's saying, don't tell me you can't. I know what you can. So let's have an honest conversation with Hashem. The Sefarim say that when a person is saying the vidui, while you're saying all the various things there, pause, stop, talk to Hashem, honestly admit your specific mistakes in your own language, in English, no problem. Say, you know Hashem, there's a lot of things here, I don't really know what's going on. You know, you know, I made pits that the, you know, in the Gehinam. I don't even know what this is going on about, Rabbi. But, but I could tell you that I did, I do speak badly about people. I'm not going to lie. I do speak less, what everybody does. But everybody does not a heter. And you know what? You could stop that. If you worked on yourself, you could stop being a person that spoke negatively about people. Say, this is what happens. When we get together, me and my friends, this is what I do. And I'm sorry. And it can't be that I'm going to be part of that. I will not be a catalyst to tear somebody else down. You know what, Hashem, there's a couple other things that I know that I'm not supposed to go to this place. But you know what, the, the peer pressure to go makes me go, makes me do things I don't really want to do. You know, Borei Olam, I know that we're deciding we're going to go spend time, vacation, summer here, there. You know, I know that we could go spend it in a place where there's more Judaism, less Ju I know that this is something I could do. So this, I'm sorry. I realize I should do better. I know I could do better. I'm going to choose next year. This, you're going to see. This year, we're going to make a decision to do this in a different way. These are concrete decisions. You're not playing games with God. It's right here, Teshuvah. It's not far from you. It's your real life. It's not words in a book. It's words that describe your living. Rabotai, when we do Teshuvah like that, then HaKadosh pays, HaKadosh pays attention. You know, I like to sometimes imagine the world of heaven on Yom Kippur. I like to imagine the angels sitting there in, in seats, like in a theater. And on the screen is playing the Safra Synagogue, doing Yom Kippur, Tefillah. 
And all the angels, because they don't have to keep it, maybe, I don't know, are sitting there eating angel popcorn. <laughs> or maybe angel hair pasta, or maybe they find that weird because it's their own hair. I'm not sure, right? But they're sitting there eating and they're watching the screen. And all the angels are like, <laughs> look, he came back. The guy's back again. Shufi came back. He came back. He's still with his avonot and he's coming here to shul. Look at him. Look at him. And Borei Olam is like, shh, shh. <laughs> Could you imagine this? And they're watching the scene. I just want to imagine, and this to me is so powerful. There's a moment when one of the angels nudges the other angel. And he says, oh my gosh, we got a live one. We got a real one. Shoot the guy in the corner. Look at how he's praying. Look, she's saying the, she's saying the vidui in English, but she's crying. Psst, guys, look at Rose C, seat seven. <laughs> we got someone who's doing the real thing. Oh my gosh, oh, that's so nice. Everyone's Instagramming it in this heavenly core. It's private, you can't get into those, uh, those accounts. But you know, they're all... This is what's going on in Shamaim. Of the millions of people that will go to shul, do you want your Yom Kippur to be a charade? Or do you want it to be what it's supposed to be? It doesn't have to be difficult. It doesn't need to be far. Kikarov elecha hadavar meod. This thing is so close to you. Beficha ubilvavecha laasoto. In your heart and in your mouth to be able to say. Say what you mean. Mean what you say. When you beat your heart, what are we doing? One of the things that we do, I always felt was, we're trying to do something which is called, uh, it's the power of suggestion. Psychosomatic. You know, as an example, if you suck your stomach in and walk around all day, you actually want, you feel like you're skinnier. You're not skinnier, you're just sucking your stomach in. But you feel that way. You actually feel healthier when you're tightening your stomach, your core, and walking around as if you lost a lot of weight that you didn't lose. Rabotai, listen to this. When you hit your heart, it creates a tiny feeling of pain in the area in which your heart is. Your brain translates that and says, I'm feeling heavy-hearted. That's part of what we're trying to do. We're trying to do that. But that game on the outside only works if it penetrates and goes into the inside, if the heart is feeling it. I want to give you one other way of thinking about this because I think it's a much more desperate and a much stronger visual. When someone's heart stops, and they're lying unconscious on the floor. What happens, someone gets on top of them and they start doing CPR. Maybe instead of thinking it that way, think of someone doing CPR on your spiritual heart. They're pumping it, waiting to see, is that heart alive? Will it start beating again? Are we getting a pulse back? Is there any breath? Is there any spiritual life left in this person? It's shocking the heart back into reality, and when our heart is feeling that way, Be'ezrat Hashem, we will be zocheh, to connect to the tefillot, and to develop our feelings of teshuvah and our prayers to the point where HaKadosh Baruch Hu gives us everything that we need. Sefer chayim berachah v'shalom v'anasat v'avi shuvah v'necha v'on yigzerot v'on yizachem v'nichatev v'nachu v'chamah v'yitzel v'chayim tobim v'shalom 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 v'shalom